Good evening and welcome. I'm Diane Meyerhoff, host for tonight's discussion of the school budget for the city of Winooski. Tonight's show is being aired live on Channel 17 and streamed live on the Channel 17 website. We welcome your comments and questions. Please join the conversation at 862-3966. Tonight, I am joined by Mike DeCaro, the school board president, and Sean McMahon, the school superintendent. Thank you both so much for coming out tonight. Thank you I for appreciate having us. It. Great. So um, tell us what, it, what people, what do voters and viewers need to know about the upcoming school district budget? Uh, well, I think the starting point is the place that we always start. And Sean, you do a, a great job with the end statement here. So if you can um, kick that off as our starting point. Yeah, so what we start with uh, at, uh, during the budget cycle is our end statement, which was developed uh, by our community members. And uh, the budget is a representation of uh, the work that we do each and every day to help our students fulfill this end statement. So making sure that they're college and career ready, they're healthy, productive, and successful uh, students, and that they engage with their local and global community. So we try to really stress in our uh, budget meetings that uh, while this comes down to a bottom line for a lot of people, it's, it, it should be uh, meaningful to people to understand what those dollars are, are dedicated to doing for our, for our students. And some of the things, uh, uh, you know, proficiency-based uh, graduation and learning is a hot topic these days in Vermont. And we've been uh, one of the leaders across the state in this. And so our graduate expectations of critical thinking, communication, creativity, and so forth, uh, our students and our, and our uh, high school teachers in particular, but middle school as well, have been really working hard uh, on uh, the proficiency-based learning environment and doing some great things. And these are just some of the areas that they are working in um, becoming proficient, um, always working on communication through writing and speaking. And then you, see, you can see some more science-based uh, areas as well as financial literacy that we have a, uh, one of the best programs in the state and our students each year will uh, win uh, business plan awards and entrepreneurship awards um, uh, through the guidance of Courtney Paquette, our wonderful business teacher. That's an impressive list. I just want to mention that. Yeah, <laughs> that is well, quite a big list. Of <laughs> students are doing a lot. And what's really important about that is that uh, many of these disciplines are being threaded together. And our students are learning that beginning in elementary school. So through project-based learning, you know, some of our, our fourth graders right now are working with our construction management team and some engineers from REARC and working on learning about renewable and non-renewable energies and developing their own models of uh, renewable energy as we head into uh, a really important capital project. Wow, and that's just a little, a little teaser for what mm -hmm. we're going to talk about later. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. So some of the things, we break this down and we talk in the budget cycle and we talk each month with the board about all the exciting things that are happening um, uh, on, a, on a monthly basis, but some of the areas that we've really worked on in college and career readiness are literacy, uh, math instruction, and um, as I said, project-based learning, and now expeditionary learning in the middle school, so that students are learning these proficiency-based skills from kindergarten all the way through graduation in a variety of ways. Um, making sure that our students are healthy, productive, and successful. We know that it is really important to have a great foundation uh, through nu nutrition and through health for our students so that they're ready to learn. And so you can see some of the things listed there that we do to support those needs uh, to make sure that students can fulfill their, their potential. 
And then finally, local and global community engagement. And we have um, uh, many of our high school students that are working in the community with a lot of our community organizations, whether it's Waterworks or uh, doing um, uh, the uh, working with Misery Loves Company and the, the chef competition, the Iron Chef competition, um, or uh, working with UVM and St. Michael's sports teams. We have great connections in the, in the community. So those are the things we try to keep in mind as we set the budget. Uh, obviously, it's a very large list so that the staff does a great job in spreading these things around for us to, to ensure that we get to all the kids. Um, current enrollment uh, this year, 833 kids. Um, we have a pretty good bonus with the uh, English language learners and um, for, for um, equalized pupil counts um, go significantly higher than this. So that helps uh, a great deal in the budgeting as well. So when we look at this year, we, we really look at two different things. Early on in a budget cycle, the only thing we can really control is our spending. We have no early control in what we're going to get from the state, what, what kind of funding we're going to get. We get some balancing pieces, um, but there's two critical pieces, our equalized pupil counts and the CLA, which is a common level of appraisal. And given that a lot of the education funding is based on property values uh, and the CLA is a reference point to um, the selling price against the appraisal values. Uh, so, I don't know how to say this exactly, but fortunately, um, in Winooski, the house uh, market is pretty hot and the houses are selling pretty well. Um, so that drives the CLA down, which uh, is not a positive in the education funding formula. So we worked with almost a five-point reduction in the CLA this year, and that translates about one percentage point in a tax rate hmm. for each point drop. 1.1. So that was a pretty significant uh, piece, a change that we had to work with. So being that this is the first year in our um, uh, capital project funding, we'll actually bond this year for the first time. In our uh, spending increases, we have 5.6% increase in spending. And out of that 5.6 million, 900,000 of that is to the capital project. So 90% of the spending increase is going toward the capital piece. Uh, salaries and benefits and everything else in the budget is only 10% change. Yeah. So that point six, so, so the 900,000 represents about 5% of that. The total rest of the spending is just over a half a percent. So we spent a lot of time debating what did we really need? Where did we have anything extra? Where could we take small cuts that wouldn't hurt? as much, um, and we came down to this very, very, very tight budget um, at uh, a 5.6% spending increase. So um, that gave us now a, a base from which to put all the funding formula pieces together. Um, we like to look at this piece, actually we don't like to look at this piece, but uh, what, this, what this really says is on the far right uh, column, the education spending rank. Um, this is the spending per equalized pupil uh, according to those, as we rank in everybody in the state. Okay. So we've been consistently in the bottom quartile um, in spending per equalized student. Now, 
in Winooski, we have some fun challenges in the education model that it's not just a deliver to the you know one uh, type of student. We have a broad range of, of students, a broad range of backgrounds. Um, you know, couldn't be prouder of the way the staff handles that whole uh, range in the classroom, uh, but they, they do it. And so with that, um, we've, we've tried to bring this up, but you know, you gotta balance the community's ability to, to take care of that as well. So our population, 62% free and reduced lunch, 40% English language learners. I think that might even approach 50% in the high school, depending on the, on the year. And 23% uh, of the kids meet the uh, eligibility uh, support d uh, due to a disability. So with the top two, we get the equalized uh, student bump for because it's recognized that that is a, a more expensive, uh, a more time-consuming education model. Mm -hmm. So. With that then, um, when I usually start this, um, try to start at the back end because usually the question is how much is this gonna impact uh, sure. my taxes, right? So um, <coughs> where we- You wanna start with that one? Yep, yeah, no, we'll start right here. So um, the, how does this affect my taxes really depends on household income. That mm -hmm. is the funding model in the state. And if income taxes, we got a, a matrix here in a minute to, to show the, the difference. But if household income is below 99,000, then the education tax is based on income. And we'll be moving to a 2.37% uh, tax rate uh, in FY21. If income is between 99 and 138,250, it's a mixture between income uh, and property, value and above 138,250, uh, your education tax is based purely on property. So given that, then um, our increases, I gotta one, let's go down one more then. So beyond this, so from a tax rate um, perspective, uh, the difference, um, what we did here is for household incomes on the left between 47 and 99,000, the uh, third column, the difference of the year, the increase will be in that third column difference by year. It'll be anywhere from 14 to $30. So that's <clears throat> the difference that will happen in FY21 for the, so the, basically the range is between 14 and $30. Increase for household incomes below, below 99,000. Okay, right? gotcha. So when your taxes yep. are based purely mm -hmm. on income, okay. that's the increase. Um, we also have a caveat here that we got to make sure that folks in town, because I think almost two thirds of the folks in town are okay with the property tax credits that you can get for the income sensitivity. Okay. So, so, so is it, what is the percentage piece. of folks who are above making a household income above 99%? Is that a pretty small number? Uh, it's somewhere in that third range. Third. Okay. Two thirds, I think are, are in, last time we checked, two thirds yep. are okay. income sensitive. Uh, so that would leave the third that are somewhere Not. above that. Okay. Okay. Um, so if household incomes are above the one thirty-eight two fifty, yep. then everything is based on income. And you can see here what we've done is on the left-hand column, the household income, or, sorry, household <laughs> value one fifty in in increments of twenty-five k up to three hundred thousand. Uh, the difference per year in the taxes will be in that column difference per year. It'll go from 181 to 362. Okay. 
the important thing to know in that is there's no assumption of property tax credit in that 180 to 360. Okay. So people who are in between income of 99,000 and 138, they are eligible for some property tax credit. So yep. those numbers could go down. They just have to submit the, the proper forms right. and make right. sure that they um, uh, put everything out on time so that they're eligible okay. for that credit. Good. And modeling that category between 99 and 138, 250 is, yeah. is a tough one sure. uh, to do. So we didn't. If you go up the other way, Sean, just for a second. So to one more. There we go. So here um, is a look at the operating budget from FY20 to FY21. It's essentially 18 million to 19 million. That's the million dollar increase that we talked about being 5.61%. Um, for the equalized pupil count, it went down marginally. Uh, 10 students from a equalized pupil count. And then the other piece that we'll see is the education spending per equalized pupil. Uh, this went up 3.6% from 15.3 to 15.850. And uh, again, the, the increase here is based on the, the capital project having a 5% piece and a 0.61 and everything else. So Yet another try to teaser for that capital keep, project. Keep things going, <laughs> yes. Um, okay. we'll, we'll get to that here shortly. And then uh, the other piece that we really like to make sure that people understand is when, when we vote, that it, one of them is for the local budget um, and that we just went through at the, at the mm -hmm. $19 million, 5.6% uh, spending increase, 7.4% uh, tax rate increase. Uh, but the other piece that folks have to vote on is whether to accept federal funds for mandatory programs by the feds. So this issue here is always one that I am concerned that we will not say yes to because it's just you have to have a vote to accept the monies from the federal government for the programs that they ask you to do. So we ask folks to vote yes on that one because it's giving you the money for doing the programs you're being asked and to is do. That a that's a separate ballot item. It is and a separate it's own ballot item. Yeah. Right. And, and generally it is passed though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Because it's worded in such a way that it's pretty obvious what you're asked. It's not sort of convoluted. It's right? worded in a way that uh, you are accepting, you're, you're giving the school district, the board of trustees, the ability to accept this money from, right. from the federal government. Okay, right. good. Yeah. So then, uh, again, the only other piece here we have is how can I help myself in this piece, and that is essentially filling out the, the tax, uh, mm -hmm. property tax uh, rebate mm -hmm. forms. And, and I, don't, I don't know what the tax department says. Are, do most people fill it out? I mean, is, is this a big issue that people don't, are unaware, or? I don't, I don't know if, no. I have okay. not seen any percentages mm -hmm. uh, of that. I would suspect that there are people who do not. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, we do the best that we can every year to uh, highlight this in our budget flyer, in our uh, monthly newsletters, it's on our website, and I know many, many, if not all of the districts do that across the state so that people know about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know sometimes there's an issue, there's a timing issue. Sometimes people don't get it. There's a, there's a drop dead date, and I know that if you don't make that literally don't even buy, they won't accept it. So I think I've heard people have issues with that, that they put the wrong form in, and mm -hmm. then by the time they get the letter saying you have to do something else, it's too late. Or, right. So I've heard of those little kind of slip between the, the cracks. Right. Uh, yeah. But Try to make a point of making a note of it. Yeah, you know, sure, the, keep educating folks about piece. it, absolutely, yeah. And there's just a couple of caveats with this whole thing. Uh, one of the pieces that always has interested me, I've done this for, um, this is the, I think my ninth pass through, through a budget. <laughs> um, the thing that, 
we start the budget process in November. We don't have our equalized pupil counts. We don't have the CLA numbers. And we've got a, um, the, the number they give us for the state 10,985 is what? The yield. The yield. Yep. Um, they, they give us a number to start planning with, yeah. but that's not finalized until May mm. when, when the legislative session gets done and the books all get lined sure. up. So, you know, we can only look early on right at our own spending. We can't focus on any anything outside of that until we get some of these other numbers firmed up. And so these are really subject to change. Uh, both the property value yield and the, and the income yields can change at the last minute. And, and put changes in this. And they do, yes? They Experiences do. Experiences they do. Yeah, they yeah. do, because basically what's happening is all of the uh, school districts are coming in with their budgets, and then the, at the state level, they kind of gather all of that together, <laughs> right? and then they equalize a tax rate and uh, disseminate that back out. So that usually doesn't happen until late spring, early summer. Yeah. Okay. One of the things I think I've found, though, is with the yield number, they've tried to be conservative up front so that it can mm -hmm. only go up mm -hmm. rather than spending a lot of time going way down mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and having that be a surprise. Mm -hmm. okay. So there, the, the caveats to this is this is subject to change and without <laughs> right. notice until that the legislative session is finished. Mm -hmm. And having people fill out the, the forms to, for the property tax rebate are mm -hmm. a big, big deal. Okay. So those are the real key points that we've got here. Good, mm -hmm. good. Um, and the te is it time for the teaser? Yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. This is the big reveal? Yes. Okay. Well, it's well, big it's, reveal it's, for it's, me. Hopefully, yeah. not, hopefully <laughs> not. Yeah, it's been revealed over yes. and over for quite a long time, but we're really excited um, uh, about our capital project. And last May, uh, the voters of Winooski passed a bond up to $57.8 million. Wait, say that again, how much? $57.8 million. Thank you. And about uh, 24, 25 million of that is for uh, infrastructure like uh, heating, venti ventilation, air conditioning. Um, it's for air handlers. It's uh, to update. It's for a roof. It's things that we would absolutely have to do in the next one to five years anyway. Mm -hmm. And then the other half is to, um, uh, well, most of that half is, is to modernize the building, bring it up to snuff. Uh, with our programming that has been growing uh, for the last seven or eight years and moving in a, in a great direction and provide learning spaces for our students and for our staff. Right now, we, uh, as we've grown support services over the last six or seven years for our students, we are running out of spaces to put people in. And, you know, young children are having to walk, uh, you know, all the way across the other building just to find a quiet space to get speech language services, for example. So we have, uh, uh, we worked with Truex Collins out of Burlington, our architects, and uh, then we went through a process and uh, the board approved REARC as our construction management team. We have Tom Barden as our owner project manager who is uh, the most experienced owner project manager on school construction projects in the state of Vermont. And um, we've been working really hard uh, since last May and we're ready to get shovels in the ground um, this June. As soon as school is out, well, that's one of the tricky parts about school construction. <laughs> right. Is you still got to run a school and open your doors for uh, you know 175 uh, at least days a year, yep. and so uh, the construction uh, folks really want to get in there as quickly as possible and and have it to themselves as much as as they can sure. to to get through their work. So we've been working on logistics plans and phasing plans and moving plans and uh, getting all of that that in order so that this is as smooth as possible. 
And how long does will this take? It's scheduled to take uh, just about two years. Okay, so you will be having, you'll be moving the, the students back and forth and around, and is it, is it an expansion as well, or just with the current footprint? So it's it's both. Okay. So we are uh, we have some new, really uh, exciting new construction spaces. We're going to have a new middle school. That'll be a pod design. So all the classrooms will be connected. It'll be very collaborative. It'll meet the needs of our expeditionary learning that we've been doing the last couple of years. It'll have all of the support services like English language learning, uh, special education, literacy, and math. All of that will be included in the pod. So those can be delivered right there teams of teachers working with teams of students. Um, another is uh, we'll have a new gym. Right now we are really having problems meeting the needs of particularly our elementary uh, PE needs uh, over the course of the week. And uh, um, also we right now have a gymateria. So we <laughs> use it for a gym in the morning for an hour and a half or two and then we turn it into a cafeteria and then we um, uh, turn it back into a gym for the last hour or two. So we will have a dedicated cafeteria and a second gym, um, which will allow for uh, um, just a multitude of opportunities, not only for our own students in our community, but it will also allow us to create some revenue streams um, to bring some money into the school by having additional activities in the evenings where um, uh, we can uh, uh, charge okay. for people to come in. And use spaces. where is the middle school going? So the middle school is going on the side of the building. So uh, as you're looking at the school, it's around to the left okay. of okay. the building where the high school, the middle high school is now. Okay. Yep. Okay. All and right. then we also have, we're going to be bumping out the front of the building and bringing, we're creating kind of the, uh, the community entryway with all of the, the services will be right there. Right now our administrative offices are my office is in the back, the middle and high school and, and elementaries are on the opposite ends of the building. Um, we have a tiny little nurse, nurse's office kind of in the center. We're going to bring all of that to the center of the building, which makes it really uh, um, accessible, particularly for parents coming in when they need to access those resources, and including the, um, uh, our cultural liaisons who will be located there instead of way deep in the elementary, so where it's hard to find. And I think the big piece about moving all the services and the uh, administrative staff, the liaisons, nurses station, all to the front door. Right now, in order for folks to get there, they have to walk through the building. Mm. And so now you've got a lot of people walking around a lot of different places in the building. You don't necessarily want that from a safety standpoint. You want to have that pretty well confined as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the other driving factors for putting all the services in, a, in one area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another really exciting part of it is um, that we've heard a lot from the community is uh, preschool capacity. Mm -hmm. So we have a wait list of 40 to 50 uh, preschool eligible children in the city and um, who may not have the access or the ability to go to programs in, in other cities. And so uh, we have two classrooms right now. We offer half day programs um, which sometimes makes it hard for parents who work full-time. So we want to be able to offer a menu of options, full-day, half-day, um, uh, pre- and post-care um, for students. And so we're in, this, in the project, we're going to have a preschool pod. We'll have four classrooms. So and we'll double your capacity. To, so we'll double our capacity and be able to meet the needs, which uh, a lot of families are really excited about. And I bet you wish it could all be done in six months. <laughs> <laughs> with as little disruption as possible, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the pieces with REARC that they've concentrated on very significantly. Mm -hmm. And one of the pieces that did impress us, they spent a lot of time 
on minimizing the impact to the students and the staff. Mm -hmm. Which can't be easy, <laughs> right? There's only no. so much. Do they actually start building the new spaces first? Is that partly how you do it? So what's gonna happen is um, they'll start uh, staging in probably mid-May, early June putting fencing up around all the construction areas and so forth. And then as soon as everybody's out, they will start, um, they'll have kind of two crews and they'll be working on the new construction, the middle school, the gym and the elementary, um, kind of on the outside of the building mm -hmm. and you know, putting the foundation down and building from there. And then they'll have another crew who's gonna be really focused on the elementary because we wanted to impact the youngest kids as little as possible. So they're going to go in there and gut the elementary, uh, almost all of it, and redo that entire thing so that come end of August, beginning of September, we can get elementary students and teachers back in oh. to the elementary. And it won't be completely finished, so some of them will go to spaces that will not be their final destination, so they'll have to move once or twice um, before getting into their, their uh, landing spots. It sounds like a very busy couple of years. <laughs> Among, among running the rest of the school right, as well, right. yes. So. Trying to figure out where your office actually is, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, some people are moving their, will move, be able to move their offices out of closets oh, and goodness. very, very tight spaces. Yeah. Our latest hire has a booth in the library. Oh, boy. That was the last place available. Yeah. So okay. this will do a lot toward getting the space we need to get the staff to be able to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. so. And you know, I didn't ask, I, I should ask before, but when we were talking about um, number of uh, students, um, is this something that is actually in Winooski rising, which we know is not happening in other parts of the state? Right, so um, we, uh, a few years ago, our demographics were showing that we were gonna be around 1,100 by uh, 2027. Okay. And right now, you know, we're in the school, we're at about 850 or so. Um, so since then, because of federal immigration policy has uh. changed, it, particularly refugee resettlement um, has gone down significantly. Yeah. We've seen um, uh, we've seen that flatten out a bit. Um, so we, but we're not building uh, um, uh, a facility for next year or for four years. We're building it for the next thirty to fifty years. So we expect that those um, in, the, in the near future would go back to normal rates, which would again give us that uh, that trend line back to 1100. Okay. And that trend line, uh, we looked at that seriously back in 2009, 2010, as we move forward and the projections then were about 10 a year increase as we go through time. So it wasn't a huge number, mm -hmm. but it was enough to, to show that we were growing and we were pretty close to that range. Huh. So okay. the, this current lull we believe is gonna kick back mm -hmm. depending on sure. a lot of factors. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, before we talk about voting, because we know that's really important, um, just give me a couple of sentence sort of summary about what people will be voting for in terms of the school budget uh, come uh, March 3rd. Because we S talked about capital and you know, I'm not sure we sort of, I wanna kind of bring it all together and say mm -hmm. this is what you're voting on. Yep, yep, so the, the vote will be for a $19 million budget it will be a 7.4% increase in the tax rate, which is a 5.61% increase in the spending. What we found over time is there is very little in the education funding formula, very little relationship between your spending increase and your tax rate increase mm -hmm. because of the other factors that go in. 90% um, of the increase, 90% of that 5.61% increase is going to service for the um, capital project. Mm -hmm. First, first bond 
uh, approach and a very, very tight budget on everything else for this first year. One thing I wanted to add to that is um, we had a lot of uh, community engagement during the budget cycle around uh, transportation of students. Okay. And so also what is included in this budget is uh, about eighty-five dollars or $90,000 uh, so that we can expand our um, service to 80 to 90 days of, trans of student transportation to and from school. Right now we're doing winter transportation uh -huh for about 60 to 70 days only to school in the morning. Oh, and so okay. there was, uh, you know, our community really came out and they voiced the need uh, for various reasons, uh, uh, safety, uh, parents working, uh, weather and so forth, uh, that they would uh, uh, really advocate for bringing kids home as well during the winter. Okay. So the so board was able, we were able to meet that need. Bus system, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Bus mm -hmm. system. And is that something, do you all do that yourselves or do you contract with someone for that? We contract. Contract. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, all right. Well, I think we can just about wrap up here. Uh, you, I see you have a slide about voting, so please bring that on up. I know we talked about it earlier, but never a bad idea to remind folks. Yeah, so a couple oh, yeah, of other things sessions, here. Yeah. Community dinner on February 19th at the yeah. O'Brien Center, uh, 5.30. The city and the, and the school put on their budget presentations to let a, uh, for question and answer. And then Monday before uh, voting day on March 3rd, on March 2nd, when the Performing Arts Center at the school, again, the city and the school will be presenting their budgets. Perfect. And then on March 3rd at the um, Senior Center on Barlow Street from yep, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. <laughs> uh, that's definitely me with the, with the bow. Yeah. I like that. I like that. We ask folks to please, please, please come out and vote. Great. And also, don't forget, you can vote early um, mm -hmm. at City Hall. You can, get an, you can get a mail-in ballot, um, many ways. And you can even register the same day. But we encourage people right. not to, but certainly, uh, if that's all that's available, please, they should feel free to do that. Um, so vote, yes, on March 3rd for the uh, school budget, mm -hmm. yes? And there will be a budget flyer that goes to every Great. household in Winooski the middle of February that will have a, all of this information that we just talked about in it. Super. And you have plenty of opportunities to also come to more presentations about it and ask questions. So yes. um, all available, I assume, on the website. Mm -hmm. People yes. can find all that information yep. out. Um, and uh, so fantastic. Thank you both so much for joining me tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you. And Thank you for uh, don't us. forget to uh, vote on March 3rd, Town Meeting Day. And thanks so much for joining us.